So today on the program, I have Mr. Todd Schweb from, now you live in, you live in Armstrong, BC, correct? Yeah, just outside Armstrong's ball machine. Okay. Bye. And, uh, so, and, and you've been lifting for quite some time now. I've known you for a few years and you've made awesome progress. You've had some great coaching all along the way, but you yourself, uh, also, uh, do some coaching on your own, run some classes, do some fitness stuff, kettlebell stuff. And you recently opened a brand spanking new gym. And so what, uh, I'd like to ask you about today is the very meager and, and humble beginnings of, uh, of your gym. So back to when you were just running classes in, uh, outside under gazebos and stuff like that, uh, up to now. And, um, and we'll also talk a little bit about your, uh, very exciting upcoming competition that we have coming up. So Todd, why don't you go ahead and tell us first off, I guess, how you got into, um, well, we can go ahead and, and talk about how you got into fitness or what sort of things you've been interested in fitness wise. And then more specifically, how you got into kettlebells. So basically, like right out of high school, I was always kind of a gym rat. Um, I did a lot of strength and stuff. And then I got involved probably eight years ago. I got involved with an outdoor boot camp. And that progressed. And she started her own gym. And then uh, she brought in some kettlebells through a Gatsu. She did a Gatsu training. And then uh, I picked it up and I enjoyed it. I loved the way it felt. I loved the way they challenged me. So I kind of seeked out competition. So my first competition was Jody Boats, North Vancouver. Um, I did three five minute sets, jerk, snatch, long cycle with 16s and I had my ass handed to me. <laughs> Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, that kind of really got me hooked because I had uh, women beside me just killing me on the platform. I had to figure out why. There was something and that you were missing, right? And so it's just like, oh, I got to figure out what this is. Totally. Yeah. I get that. So, uh, and I'm having the same thing now. I'm teaching classes and I have some phenomenally fit people working with me, but they cannot figure out why they can't accelerate in it as fast it's kind of you have to slow them down and then say you know you go through that humbling period and then you have to take a good look at your technique and everything else so after jody's i went to trish's competition in richmond and that's where i met charlie and Catherine. and then i stayed in touch with them and we started working together and then i took uh charlie does most of my programming coaching and that's what really took me a notch above. So hang on, hang on. You didn't even know Charlie and Catherine before you started lifting kettlebells. They weren't even the ones who got you into it. No, man, the world is really small after all. Cause you guys are not super far apart geographically. And it's amazing enough that we have this little enclave of, 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 uh, great kettlebell lifters just in that Okanagan area. And it's amazing to me that you guys met at, uh, at Trish's in OKC the, or so the, in uh, Richmond or Vancouver. Yeah. Well, I kind of, I found out they were from Penticton. That's what gravitated mm -hmm. towards 
talking to them and then watching them that I was totally inspired and that just took me to another level of addiction. So, I mean, thanks to them, they've got me to where I am now. There's no way I, I mean, it would have been a big struggle to get there otherwise. Okay. So, um, how long were you working or, or getting, uh, I imagine it was probably relatively informal in the beginning that any tutelage that you're getting from either Charlie or Catherine, but, uh, what was the, the, what was it like taking this step from kind of learning a little bit from them to starting to pass on what you were learning to other people and starting running classes on your own. And when you were running classes on your own, was that, was it much kettlebell focus at all really? Uh, not much cause we didn't have, the facility and the kettlebells. I just had my own set of kettlebells. So it was pretty hard to teach four or five people when you only have one pair of eights or one pair of tens. Um, so when me and Lorraine started the classes, more boot camp orientated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people kept asking me because they'd watch me at competitions and they, I had a lot of pressure to start teaching them. So I started teaching a few people, mainly Lorraine, and then now that we have our own facility, I brought in a bunch of kettlebells from Kettlebell Kings. And now we're starting, you know, we have uh, about eight to 10 people I'm doing concentrated classes with. Um, and it's more of a time frame thing. We have a class in the evening, so that's the time those people can make, but I have a lot more people interested. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try and structure another class in when I get back from Ireland. Okay. Before we get too far into the classes that you're running now, um, tell me about, because I've, 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 I've seen some of the uploads that you've done. You'll upload pictures of your classes that, you, that you'll do uh, out in parks and stuff like that. Um, when I started training, I was fortunate enough to uh, get a job working at a private training studio, and I worked there for uh, three and a half, four years-ish, I think. Um, strictly just training people one-on-one, although we did start to incorporate some classes there at the end. And so I didn't, I didn't find myself in the position of having to, um, uh, go at it as independently as you had, uh, and some, depending on where you're living, you have to get a permit to run classes in public parks and stuff like that. So can you tell me about, uh, that process of running classes on your own uh, as an independent trainer and and how that was? Um, we did everything free, so we didn't have to go through the permit process. So we didn't have to have insurance and all that because the people that came were understanding that this was just free class. Basically, we were just a group of people working out together. And you're, and and you're like, we- if you want to come along, then... Thing come along yeah. sort of thing okay so then when we got this gym we had to get our ducks in a row and <laughs> um, me and Lorraine are kind of like we got a gym let's go to work and then our significant others are like uh, no you need insurance you need business per- <laughs> <laughs> it can be challenging like, sometimes oh, yeah. to find insurance uh, for a gym I think it's becoming more popular now but um, uh they just didn't really, I feel like they didn't really have your, your common, more common insurance companies didn't really have clauses or contracts for 
um, fitness training as much as they do now? Was that, did you find that you had a problem finding a company that would insure you? Uh, we went to a local company here, Hub International, and uh, it wasn't a huge process. There was a lot of details, like what kind of equipment, what ages we're going to be training, what our backgrounds were and, and our certifications and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it went off pretty good. Um, yeah. Definitely the 24-hour kiosk gyms, that definitely will take your insurance up quite a bit. Oh, okay. But luckily yours is not 24 hours, at least I... <laughs> but uh, so, okay, so you... Uh, tell me about um, building your... Uh, uh, the number of kettlebells that you had. I imagine that kettlebell started to weed their way into... Um, your boot camps, your outdoor boot camps, uh, a lot more. At least it seemed like that. As I, yeah. Okay. And so, so we just basically we had to stick to the basic fitness stuff, um, swings and goblet squats mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, just because I had heavier belts and that was the only thing people could do with them. Mm-hmm. But now that we have a good supply of light bells, you know, now we're getting into the the kettlebell sport specific lifting and stuff okay all right so now you have your own gym and we talked about getting insurance and stuff like that um when you guys first conceive well how did you guys first conceive about opening a gym what was the factor that made you guys decide to do that um we me and lorraine always talked about it It was kind of a dream of ours and then this space was here. It was an MMA gym. And I drove past one day and there's a for lease sign up. So I said, okay, we have to jump on it because lease space is limited here in Armstrong, small town. Mm-hmm. So we jumped on it, got the lease. Our Lorraine came, we took a look. We both agreed we could make it work. So we jumped on it, got the lease. We kind of put the horse before the cart because then we we were just worried about getting the space. Now we had to get the insurance and stuff. And um, we did a lot of renovation. That was a big thanks to Lorraine's fiance, Ryan. He's pretty talented. A lot of the painting and the, the, the custom racks and stuff you see are from him and Lorraine. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do half of what he's done here. Mm-hmm. So. And it was a lot, a lot of like people we were working with, a lot of people came in and helped us and stuff. So it was a big community thing. Okay. How many of your, uh, your actual clients or the people who were coming to your classes before, did they all come over to the gym? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Are they all from Armstrong as well? Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, so what did you have much of a business model when you started or a business plan or did you have like a vague idea of how you're going to structure things? I know that you've added uh, a, a, a several different programs, obviously not just kettlebells. Um, so what was, yeah, what was that overall arching plan? Um, we just kind of had a plan of uh, one hour boot camps with proper warm up and proper cool down. Uh, but we wanted to put more strength into it. So 
uh, our programs, like we have kind of a, we'll warm up with a 20 minute hit program and then we'll go into a strength uh, program. And then we have another class where we do 20 minute hit and then we go into kettlebell, we call it swing, which is more fitness kettlebell stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a very popular one that Lorraine runs is 20 minutes of hit and then she does yoga. She'll start the class with yoga and end with yoga. And that's been really successful. Is yoga popular um, out in Armstrong? Are there many uh, yoga uh, spots there? Yeah, there's a couple of other places. They don't quite offer it the way we do. They're 100% yoga where we're yeah, yeah. off more hit and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we have, we're bringing in more advanced stuff. So Lorraine's fiance, Ryan is heavy into the Spartan world. So he's brought some of his workouts, uh, sandbag workouts, we call it bagged. And it's incredible. The variety of workout and the intensity you get from those sandbag workouts. Now, I'm presuming that you don't have a whole lot of uh, machines or machine-focused training per se, but um, I can't really tell because I can't really see everything that's in there. But uh, uh, my impression is that um, not unlike what I'm doing and and what we'll see a lot of other gyms that tend to focus heavily on kettlebells do, is that there's a lot of body weight, a lot of free weight, um, a lot of stuff like that. So uh, is there any sort of incorporation of even just barbell, squat racks, stuff like that? Um, we have squat rack and deadlift, bar, uh, straight bars for deadlifts and squats. And then we have hex bar lifts. Um, very popular. It seems to be getting, this is Lorraine. Hi. Solly. Hello. It, <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're going to stick to free weight model. Um, we're not big. We've never been big into the machines and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately uh, that it's going to be probably the easiest way to run all your programs and, uh, all that stuff just kind of takes up room anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we've gone through, uh, the beginnings we've opened the gym. How long you guys been open for so far? month five now i think yeah fourth or fifth month yeah now. okay how you guys feeling about it been good really good Fully um, enjoyed. yeah <laughs> um our clients like it's growing at a good pace for us yeah. we're managing to stay ahead of it and it's it's been a great experience i think i'm not stressed about it or anything it's what's been, your exposure like uh, we haven't really put ourselves out there fully yet, so it's mostly been word uh, of mouth, Facebook. social media. We didn't yeah. even have a sign on the building up until about what two, three weeks ago. So we were kind of like a secret underground club. <laughs> Where are you? Oh well, <laughs> let me tell you the way. <laughs> but small town curiosity works for us in that yeah. case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People poke their heads in to see what's going on. Yeah, very cool. Uh, so you guys are getting ready to run classes today, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're about to, you're, so you're running one in what, an hour? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you guys, um, have you split off into, how many trainers do you have? Uh, three, three main ones. There's myself, Todd and my fiance, Ryan. Uh, 
Um, and then uh, Natalie will come on board and then we have Lisa here who does some covering for us when we need to. So, um, but the three main ones at the, this time anyways. Is there is there crossover with who's training which certain programs or are you guys kind of all choosing a lane and kind of doing what you're best at? Um, we... Me and Lorraine will cross over. The only thing I can't do is yoga. <laughs> <laughs> he says he can. <laughs> so uh, we have a set schedule. I'll run early morning and then I'll come in and I'll do the kettlebell stuff. I'll do late afternoon classes and then she runs most of the day. So. And you are running uh, some kettlebell sports specific classes as well? Yeah, we just started. Last month? Um, last month yeah, yeah this is month two of that so that's been going really good yeah okay and um what's your approach to either recruiting people into those classes or or what's your approach to um how you get them to think about progressing in kettlebell sport because ultimately you know if they're interested in, in doing it in the first place and moving up in bells are they really thinking about at all of uh you know setting a goal uh, doing an in-house or hopping up on a platform in a local competition, that sort of thing. How do you approach that? Um, so a big part of that was us hosting our own competition this summer. So that really uh, put the ambition behind them um, so they can actually have an, an opportunity. But it, it's within their comfort level because it's going to be in their own gym. Mm-hmm. So it's a, yeah, it's a good starting platform for them. And uh and then us taking on IKO, having the set table in front of them, they can see how they can progress and stuff. So it's been good that way. And Lorraine, just, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say just the curiosity of it too, right? Like it's not a super common thing that other people see in gyms and stuff, right? So just, and I think that's also why our banked classes become so popular too, right? It's just different. It's something new to learn. Kettlebells is really cool because it's um, it's a super humbling sport to learn. Um, and even you can be the strongest person in the world, but <laughs> it doesn't mean you'll be good at bells. And so it kind of takes you down a notch at first. And so it's really easy. The people that are there that are coming to the kettlebell sport class, you know, want to be there because they want to work on it and progress in it. And they have to have that patience to want to do it and put in the work and put in the time. How have have any of the people who have been taking the kettlebell sport classes um, felt like they're just running hard into a roadblock and and you need to be there to kind of help kind of guide them and and keep nudging them along? What's their uh, progress and uh, and confidence been like from since since you opened? Um, We have a couple. It's. I wouldn't say it's roadblocks. It's just limitations like overhead, flexibility, stuff like that. So uh, we're kind of, I'm kind of slowing them down and, and then advising them what needs to be stretched and how to. I mean, we're, we're calling this introductory to kettlebell sport because we're in kind of a technique thing. I'm not really mm-hmm. full on training them yet. I've thrown a couple, you know, two, three minute sets at them, but nothing too serious. So. But uh, I'm trying not to, so they get so frustrated they quit when I'm trying to work with them as much as I can. Are you guys technically doing like test sets 
like weekly or biweekly or monthly? Not with the main group. I am with uh, Lorraine and Lisa that just came. They're more advanced lifters, so and they want to be. They're getting into full-on programming now. So. Mm-hmm. Are you able to give me a, a look around? What are we recording on here? Can you move this around and show I, me around the gym? Well, this is one of our custom racks that my fiance designed in his brain. <laughs> um, that's pretty much all of our stuff. Um, what else do we got? This is our newest rack we just um, put in. Painted. Yet. This right here is going to turn into a chalking station. <laughs> we'll the, have a the official chalking station. <laughs> Try not to make a mess. It's it's yeah. like the chalk the chalk bucket is like the water cooler of the gym. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone stands um, around and chit chat. It's like our group fitness area, so kind of where we run most of our classes are over here. That's Lisa. Say hi, hi Lisa. <laughs> so the blue floor is more of a high impact floor. It's got a subfloor to it, so we kind of like running the hit stuff on there. And then the black floor is just your typical rubber on concrete, so it's better to lift on. Yeah. The blue one's better to throw people over your shoulder and slam them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because it was, it's basically the same floor when it was an MMA gym. So they do lots of body throwing and stuff. Did you have a good idea of where you wanted to get your equipment or did you go through like a middleman to help advise you where to order stuff? We went through Rocky Mountain Fitness and then they hooked us up with, uh, uh, commercial guy. So most of the stuff came from Flamin. And then the kettlebells, I uh, used Mike Vandenberg and he got me a good, good deal through kettlebell Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, for the financing for all that equipment, like, were you paying that like out of pocket? Did you, uh, get a loan out or how'd you approach doing that? Cause that stuff's not cheap. Basically, yeah, you pay by the pound. Yeah. It was out of pocket, basically. I am I still have a logging company, so I am subsidizing this a bit with my logging company. Okay. Which gives us a bit of an advantage. So. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But we do have a pretty good lease here and stuff, so we don't have a ton of overhead. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Uh, do you guys pay for heat or hydro or anything like that, or just straight up yeah. rent? Triple uh, that sort of thing. Gross lease, but we pay for gas and electricity. Oh, okay. Or uh, tell us and stuff. Okay. Uh, and those are all the bells that you're going to be using, obviously, for uh, the Armstrong competition coming up? Yeah. And then uh, uh, Charlie and Catherine will be bringing their bells. They have a good supply of kettlebell kings, too. Okay. Where are you Are you lacking in some, in some weights, or why are they bringing bells? Uh, it's just gonna, it's gonna depend how many people we get. Yeah. Okay. Cause you got a good collection there. I've, yeah. I uh, wanna, depending on how many platforms you got. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. You kind of, you need quite a few bells if you're going to keep bells in the warm up area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, then, that's true. Um, what's, uh, are you looking into sponsorship for your competition coming up? And, uh, if so, how, you know, who are you thinking about? How are you going about doing that? Um, 
we're going to try to uh, get local sponsorship and build up some of we have a, a good community yeah. of businesses in armstrong so yeah. definitely if we can help them with advertising and they can help us a little bit and mm-hmm. yeah. stuff like that are you guys and, still fleshing out the details yeah. on the competition yeah. trying to figure stuff out yeah sure. and i talked to we were at a, uh, a business event last weekend i talked to the mayor and the city of armstrong is willing to to help us out so are there any local grants that you guys can apply for? In the NIMO, there's there's two that we normally apply for. There's, uh, I think they're technically both through uh, tourism NIMO, but one's a a tourism specifically a tourism grant, and then the other one's a sporting grant. Um, and the one year that we applied and got that was actually the tourism grant that we got. That wasn't even the sporting grant. We got like something like four hundred or five hundred dollars uh, from that. Um, so, are there any grants that you know of that are available that you can apply for? We don't know. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, now. look into it. Check out <laughs> check out your city website, your municipality website, and see what they got going on. There might be something there for you. We'll just walk walk a block to the city hall and ask. <laughs> just <laughs> knock on the door. Yeah. <laughs> just hold out your hat, looking for yeah. some, some change. Um, here's a here's a question I got now. Uh, it and and this will be dependent on the sorts of programs that you run, but. Um, I've really tried to streamline, uh, the, the equipment needs that I have for the programs that I run. And for the most part, I only really one run one program. It's uh, just kind of a general kettlebell cross training thing with, uh, definitely emphasis on kettlebell sport training, but at the same time, I'll change it up depending on who's in the class. Cause I have a pretty small operation who's in the class and, um, and how how long we've been doing any certain type of training for, and and I'll just kind of changing up every four weeks, six weeks, that sort of thing. Um, but have you found that there are pieces of equipment that you guys have purchased that you find that you're just not using? Uh, so we, when we bought or we took over the gym, I bought a bunch of equipment from the MMA guy, just kind of a a, a package deal. Mm-hmm. So we've gone through that. We do do a little bit of kickboxing stuff, but we've gone through that. He had some cardio equipment. We basically sold it all on the community. Oh, okay. And um, like I said, our significant others are a bit anal about keeping <laughs> things tidy and organized. So they'll come in here and purge and tell us stuff we need to get rid of. And it's true. <laughs> But I think like we we make use of pretty much everything we have. There's definitely things we don't use as much. Like we probably use our free weights the least. Um, yeah. Resistance bands we don't use all the time, but they definitely come in handy. But mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like we make good use of all of our stuff. So okay, we definitely have a wish list of more stuff yeah. we want to get. <laughs> like I'd like to get a couple rowers and a couple air bikes. Yeah. Uh, Another bar. We love the hex bar. Yeah. Oh, the hex bar is awesome. I am (laughs) one though that I'm not super, um, fond of, uh, it's, uh, it actually has four pegs for feet. Uh, and then the, um, what would you call those? The, 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 the ends, the, the sleeves that the, uh, plates slide onto are kind of elevated 
And so it's this weird sort of top heavy thing. And, and when you're using it, it doesn't rest on the plates. It rests on these feet. And so you're basically where you hold the handles has to be like perfectly balanced. Cause if you tip at all in any certain direction, then you're touching down with only two feet at any particular time. And it's just, it becomes really awkward. So, but it's not the end of the world. It's perfectly fine, but uh, I'm definitely more fond of the more traditional hex bar where it's just, it's, yeah, it's just flat and it sits on the weights. Um, That's what we have, but I'm going to try and build a rack for it because just for uh, loading it. If you're running stations and you're swapping weights off for different people, it gets a little bit of a pain. We keep it in the the squat rack for now just so we can keep it an inch off the ground and swap the plates out faster. Have you seen, um, they've started designing some new hex bars that are, they're, they're an open hex bar. So they're actually, uh, if you look at it, it's like half a hex bar. So it's not completely enclosed. It's open on one side. And uh, some of them actually have a built-in jack system where you just kind of roll it forward and it, and it uh, tilts onto a jack and then it lifts the plates off and then you can, slide them on and off. Have you seen those? No. Check out Garage Gym Reviews. He did a recent review on one. It's pretty sweet. Now, he reviewed an Alico one, so it's like, it's expensive. Um, But there are some other cheaper models uh, that I I think some of them do have uh, that jack option. We have a jack for our straight bar. And it's awesome. The bells, we got a bells of steel, but it doesn't work on our hex bar. No. Um, now obviously you've put in a lot of work so far into your gym, but, uh, this will always be the question, especially when you're taking on a lease is how long of a plan do you have to be in this space? Was this a five-year planned space? It was, is this a 10-year planned space? What was your thought going in? I did five years on the lease just because I got a very good deal under five years, but We'll see how we grow. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever move out of here and we may take on another space and run too, depending, you know. We may find a bigger space and move. Yeah. Like yeah. we're just, it was just kind of the opportunity came up. Like we want, we definitely wanted to have our own space, um, but we weren't really actively like looking really hard for it. We didn't really have a strict plan in place. It was more the place came up why not? We don't know if we don't try. And here we are. (laughs) Did you have some ideas in mind of what you wanted as an ideal space before you uh, took this opportunity? And if so, what were one or two of the things that you envisioned in your head of your ideal space that you didn't get out of this deal? Higher ceilings. Yeah. (laughs) So we can climb things. So one gym that I've always, uh, I love the the setup is Mike's gym in Moose Jaw. I like that big space and he kind of had everything in there. And that that's, you know, that's our dream gym one day. But I think a gym like that, you'd have to build from the ground up. It's hard to find space like that here. Do you feel like there might be any drawbacks to having a, a, a gym that size? In a small town, it will be a bit of a leap of faith yeah. um, just to get the draw. But we have, so we have Armstrong, which is 5,000 people. 
Then we have Spall Machine, which is 10,000 people. And then uh, 10, 15 minutes away, we have Enderby, which is another five to 10,000 people. So if you get something that will draw people, we can definitely make it work. And Vernon, too. Vernon is 15, yeah. 20 minutes away, too. So. What's the best thing about your location? Like, as far as like within your municipality goes, what's the best thing about your location? We're pretty much dead center in the middle of the town. Um, uh, so a lot of the subdivisions around us, they're within five, 10 minutes of here. So it's a good location that way. We don't have a parking lot of our own. We have an outdoor space that eventually we're gonna turn into an outdoor area, Jim. Okay. And the parking, there's lots of parking around. You might have to walk a couple minutes to parking get here. Parking in Armstrong is still free too. So. Yeah, it's all free. So. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, no paid street parking. You got just, no just parking it, meters, just, no tickets, no nothing. Just give it a few years. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll find a way. Victoria actually just started charging uh, for street parking on Sundays. Really? Yeah, I lived they just changed in Victoria that. For ten years, almost, I lived in Victoria. <laughs> so that must be that, must, and yeah, that that should be a surprise, right? Because like, I don't know, it's like weekend parking. That's just sort of like a given. You just don't expect to pay for weekend parking, but yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. I don't know what the change was. I, I think it's just one of those things where they're trying to get find a way to get uh, some more money into their their public programs, basically, or their public mm -hmm. services. Well, like Armstrong, we're an industrial town, farm town. So if they start charging for parking, there would be an uproar. <laughs> yeah, tell me, tell me more about Armstrong and tell me more about growing up in, uh, uh, now, Lorraine, maybe not you, you growing up because you said you were living in Victoria, but I don't know how long ago that was. Um, tell me about this area, growing up in this area, uh, what the dynamics like, what the people are like, what its history is like, if you know any, any bit about that. Now, I, d I was... Uh, I was privy to some new information that Armstrong is actually where they make Armstrong cheese. I never put those two things together. Actually, it used it, to be. It's used not to anymore. Be. What? Armstrong what? In Abbotsford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they moved Armstrong cheese down to That's the coast. That's false advertising. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Abbotsford doesn't quite roll off the tongue as well. We do have the Village Cheese Factory, though, and it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> We're also known for asparagus. Yeah. Oh, really? So asparagus comes out of here. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, Armstrong, it was a mill town to begin with. It was actually one of the first communities in the Okanagan because that's where the train came in. And then Vernon and Kelowna followed. So uh, it started out as a mill town and then it grew more into a farm-based town anything from peas, corn, whatever. And then, so there's a lot, of, a lot of the buildings, like this building we're in, the, but this part was built in the seventies, but the front part was built in 1895. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. the buildings are super old yeah. and cool. It's a really cool town. So our landlords are actually planning to do a huge renovation on the building, but they want to keep that old look. So like the old facade. that's the way Armstrong is. They're trying to keep that old look. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's a very tight knit community. People that come here, 
they're actually shocked they'll be driving down the road and they have strangers waving at them. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that. That's just the way Armstrong is. Very friendly. Everybody knows everybody. Um, I, I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. Really. I couldn't either. I've been here for like five or six years now. I, I love it. I love Armstrong. It's home. I've got my mom and the rest of my family moved out here from Prince George and they love it here. It's just you can't come to Armstrong and not love it. It's just, it's such an awesome place to live. Now, usually every small town has a ghost story. What's Armstrong's? Is there know. like a haunted part of town? You guys got like a haunted house or something? Probably every building in this town is haunted. The blue bar, guaranteed. <laughs> is there a specific building that's known as like, oh, back in the 1800s, this was the old brothel? I think actually the Blue Hotel was a brothel at one Guaranteed time. I've heard stories about it. <laughs> to talk to some of the old timers. Yeah. <laughs> they probably weren't around during that time though. Yeah. They probably heard stories from their from their dads who went into the brothel. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's actually a very uh, there's a lot of churches in this town. We probably have five or six churches in this town. Mm-hmm. Maybe more. Like there's yeah. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> wow. Uh, coming yeah. back around to the agriculture, uh, so there's a lot of um, a, a lot of farming and a lot of produce. Are there any canning factories there, or is everything mostly fresh export? Fresh export. Um, there's a lot of dairy, a lot of chickens. We have a Colonial Farms right two minutes from here. They're one of the bigger uh, chicken processing plants. So all their their chickens are sent down to the coast and uh uh mainly yeah it's just fresh produce and then we have uh ip which is the long weekend labor day weekend which is one of the biggest uh uh harvest fairs outside of peony in vancouver so it's a big draw for the entire Armstrong's population probably quadruples over those four to five days. It's insane. Okay. Um, Now, your competition is August 10th. Yeah. Um, Now, during during that time, um, what would be... Because you got to sell this. You got to sell this competition. Uh, what are going to be some of the uh, things that you're going to you suggest people check out while they're in Armstrong around that time? Uh, I'm not sure the timing. There's Armstrong Metal Fest, which is a huge heavy metal fest. Everybody, they got bands. I bet Charlie has not missed one of those. <laughs> no, he hasn't actually. I don't think he's been to one yet. He, he keeps know. talking about it. <laughs> Misty, I'm sure, will be to this one. Yeah. Um, but it's it's huge and it's awesome for the town and they're they're very respectable uh group that comes. They keep everything clean and it's been huge. And then uh we have you know, you kinda have to go outside Armstrong if you want to go to the lakes, like we have Shushua, Mara, we have the river in Enderby. There's some nice beaches. Okanagan Lake. Okanagan Lake, yeah. And then a popular thing to do is tube down the river in Enderby. So they'll take you up by a bus and you do, I think, a three or four hour tube down, take a case of beer or whatever you want to do, 
and then uh, tons of hiking. Yeah, yeah what's the hiking spot that you guys usually do? Because I, I always <laughs> see the pictures. There's Rose Swanson, which is what our gym is named after, um, and then there's Enderby Cliffs. They're probably the two main ones, I would say. I haven't yeah. done many other ones <laughs> past that. So Swanson is a nice little, if you want to get your heart rate up, it's, uh, you can do like a 5k loop, beautiful view, a good elevation climb and back down. Enderby Cliffs is more of a, if you want to take your time, it's about a three hour rounder. Um, I think it's up there and down is about 10, 10 or 12 kilometers. Okay. So you guys make a good day trip out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, uh, before we close out here, uh, I'll get you to make some last remarks about your upcoming competition and, uh, maybe some of the details that you guys have, uh, sort of been finishing up and figuring out. I know that there's still, you know, it's still a ways out, but, uh, any information that you want to pass on right now to anyone who's interested or might be interested in going, now's your chance to, uh, to do that and get that information across. Um, we haven't really put a lot of thought in, I mean, we're, we're in the midst of planning, but we want to keep it, uh, you know, if, if you have 30, 40 lifters show up, we're going to have fun, right? If you have a hundred lifters show up, we're still going to have fun. It's, uh, want to keep it very much like your competition, like Carissa's, you know, it's going to be that same group of people and, uh, I think we have a good thing going with us, you know, in BC, we could have a little circuit of competitions yeah, it's, going. it's pretty cool to be able to bring something kind of more central BC, a little bit farther north, and maybe we can draw in other people that have maybe been interested in doing more kettlebells or kettlebell competitions that maybe just can't travel all the way down to the coast. Um, so it's kind of exciting to be able to hopefully draw more people into the sport. Um, I've just been working on registration forms, which is super duper fun. I'm so excited about those. Um, and then once we get that all settled up, then um, hopefully we can start building some more hype for it. Um, and yeah, we just want to have fun with it um, and share the sport with more people. We're also planning on a next day uh, clinic with Charlie and Catherine and Slava. So. Hopefully that will be good for everybody's lifters. And Have they made it out to the gym uh, since you opened? No, Charlie's been trying. I'm going to bug him. Maybe he'll come up this Sunday, but they definitely want to get up here. They're about a good two hours away. Oh, okay. Yeah, so not super close. No. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's the same. Like I would love to go to Victoria more often or Langford and do some training down there at West shore. But, uh, yeah, it's like an hour and a half drive. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> and then same thing there is, as we get closer to summer traffic gets insane here. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Everyone's got their campers out and they're, you know, going every I'll which way to take for the Okanagan in the summertime. Yeah. Population <laughs> doubles here. Yeah. So. <laughs> And uh, uh, one last thing, you guys also are um, going to be registered with the IKO. Yep. Tell uh, the listeners or our viewers even about um, what that means for them. Um, so IKO will give us uh, kind of a, a template with their ranking table and we can give out official ranks, which will go 
onto World League. So you you you're basically going up against you know the world, or whatever competitions are competing in World League, and it's kind of it's it's inspiring and it's kind of fun. It gives you that competitive edge, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, so Dennis Vasilov is the the president of it and he's been really easy to deal with and he's on board fully and fully supportive. So it's been awesome. It's, it's really interesting to see where you fall as an individual on those rankings, but I was more surprised at um, where our team fell in the rankings. Cause there was like a hundred different teams on there for, from all over the world. Um, yeah. And it's also really cool to see um, some of my lifters, kind of find themselves in the top, I think they do top six, top five, top, top six, something like that. Yeah. In each of the divisions to see their names just kind of in there. Um, it's, it's really cool because it comes as a total surprise to them. But um, yeah. I think it's been really instrumental in, in keeping that momentum going. And a lot of my lifters, they do like the online challenge and stuff like that. And that helps keep them... Uh, keeps their momentum, but uh, that was really cool to see, and I'm, I tried to make an extra point of uh, of spreading that through the social media and, and make sure that they kind of got some recognition for that because it doesn't come easy, right, to rank in the top five, yeah. top six, that sort of thing. Well, it can be a bit intimidating. Like uh, the lifters I'm teaching, they're like, "Wow, all these people are are good." What when they get down to do a couple competitions and they actually see on that World League that you know, they're stacking up, you know, they're, they're getting their name in there and it's, it's not so intimidating. Right. Exactly. Um, so it's awesome that you guys are doing that. And it's, I think it's awesome that we're all doing that as, uh, as, uh, hosters of these, um, BC competitions. So, uh, and that's going to give us an extra leg up in the rankings for sure. I was, I was not surprised, but, um, I, I was pleasantly surprised that Dennis okayed every single one of our competitions for IKO because we're definitely getting an advantage there. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyways, it's that time. Uh, I'm going to have to run here in a moment. You guys have class in about 25 minutes. So I just want to thank both of you a lot for taking the time to tell us about your journey from uh, small outdoor boot camps, free outdoor boot camps, to uh, now running a gym that's uh, five months in and running strong. And we've got that competition coming up August 10th in Armstrong, BC, and that's going to be super exciting. And uh, we're going we're gonna to catch you guys there. What month is it right now? We're just into May, June, July, August, so we're a few months out, but um, that's quickly approaching. But I'll, will I probably see you in Everett, Todd? Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Lorraine, when am I going to see you lift? Maybe then. <laughs> in, in August 10th. August? Okay. Coach tells me to. <laughs> yeah, coach always knows best, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks again. And um, until next time, and maybe we can do uh, a wrap-up after the competition, uh, just a quick wrap-up to, to get your guys' feedback on that. And um, actually, that's an uh, that's a... a maybe a, a thing that you guys should think about doing is getting some feedback from all your people uh, the day of. Maybe just hand out some little quick little question slips that ask for some feedback. That'll be good for you guys, I think. I'm we sure. always try to do that. It's always a really good thing to do because you always want to improve on the previous year, year right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks again. I got to run, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. You bet. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. All right, bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>